said. Broadcasting around the world. Online at PressBoxRadio.com. And to great radio stations throughout the Southeast. This is the Press Box. Indeed it is the Press Box with Mike Grace, Bart Heights, Jason Powers, and you on great stations around the Southeast, including our friends in Pascagoula, Mississippi, from uh, Gulfport, Gaucher, Hurley, Van Cleve, the Mississippi Sound to Biloxi Bay. Great to have you with us on 1580 WPMO, the talk of South Mississippi, along with Mike, Bart, and Jason. The pride of Pascagoula, Mississippi, going to join us and talk a little SEC football, Florida Gator football. Can you welcome Shane Matthews inside the press box? Shane, great to have you with us. How are you today, man? I'm doing well, guys. Appreciate y'all having me. Man, thanks so much. Uh, what, 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 tell us about some of those Pascagoula days. You, you won a state championship over there, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We were... Uh... We were, I think we were voted the best high school football team of all time in the state of Mississippi and had a lot of good players on that team that won that state title. Well, again, we know one of them was a signal caller named Shane Matthews, who went on to be a two-time SEC Player of the Year, now a member of the Florida Gators Athletic Hall of Fame and a color analyst on the Gator Sports Networks. Let's talk a little about year two of the Billy Napier area, a disappointing five or maybe six and seven season a year ago. Gators must replace quarterback Anthony Richardson um, and really improve the defense. That has to happen as well. What have you seen so far from the new quarterback? Appears Wisconsin transfer Graham Mertz will be the guy this year, yeah? Yeah, I think you're going to see a huge jump uh, in year two of Billy Napier. You know, the best players on his roster last year were guys that he brought in personally. Uh, he can really evaluate talent. And uh, he brought two guys from Louisiana University, uh, uh, All-American offensive lineman Osiris Tarrant, and then Montreal Johnson, our tailback, were two guys that he was responsible for and a couple other receivers. Uh, yeah, so th- th- this team is going to surprise some people this year, in my opinion. I have them penciled in at a minimum of eight wins, possibly more. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased at what Billy Napier and his staff have done, and I think you're going to see a, a much better football program, a football team this year. Hey, Shane, Jason here. Talk about the mentality of the quarterback. You know, you know, Merch has played a lot of football at Wisconsin. Obviously, he's coming to a new new environment in Gainesville. Talk about the, the, the impact of just trying to create that culture of, of success and positivity. Obviously, Merch is n- new to the program. He's not new to winning. He's, he's played well before. Talk about the integration that, he's, that his, his kind of uh, journey has taken him to, to integrate himself to be a leader of that offense. Well, I like him. I, I, you know, he's not a guy that's going to wow you with splash plays, but you don't need that as a quarterback. You need, you need a guy who's going to be consistent, complete the passes that are wide open, and just be in charge of the offense. I think you're going to see that. You know, Graham Merce was a highly, highly recruited kid coming out of high school. Uh, I think it came down between Alabama and Wisconsin, and he decided to go to Wisconsin and had some ups and downs there. But, uh, look, he's, he's in a, a new environment. Uh, like I said, I really trust Billy Napier's evaluation process, and I think uh, I think Mertz will have a tremendous year. He's, he's not going to be the player of the year or anything like that, but I think he'll he'll run the offense the way it needs to be run, and and defensively is where this team's going to be much improved. Shane Bart here, um, and man, I I never thought I would get to uh, mention this, but you you were responsible for me getting to wear ankle socks in football in high school in Winfield, Alabama. That's a true story. Um, you were the first guy, and I, I always had to wear the long socks, and I remember I, I taught my coach into it um, as a young kid. But I'm curious about going to this crazy question. Transitions. 
right? Coming out of high school, you play on a high-level team, as you mentioned, probably the best in the history of the state of Mississippi. Then you make the jump to college, and then you have to make the jump to the league and change your socks and wear the high socks. But talk about the big transition between those two. Um, what's bigger, high school to college or college to the league? And could you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Um, and the sock choice of the, of, the ankle, of the ankle socks. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. I, I, you know, I wore high tops in high and in college for some reason, and then went to the low tops in the pros because you know you had to jack your socks up or they'll find you in the league. Yes. Um, but that, that's a great question. The, the transition, I think, a lot of it determines, you know, what level of high school ball you play at, and then what colleges you go to. You know, when you go to the SEC, boy, it's it's a different ball game. Uh, we all know. I mean, they put the most players year in and year out into the league. But there's still a transition from SEC football to the National Football League because you're talking about the best players in the world. Uh, it's just the speed of the game. You know, the windows, even in the SEC, you have, you have decent-sized windows to throw the ball into. When you get to the league, there are no windows. I mean, you got you got to be pinpoint accurate and throw on time. So that, that's the biggest jump, I think, when you go to college football to the pros is the speed of the game. You know, because you've got defensive linemen that are just as fast as linebackers nowadays. Uh, it's, it's, it would blow the average fan away if they actually got to go to field level of an NFL game to see how violent and how fast that game is played. Well, again, he played at a great level. 14 years in the National Football League. Of course, at the SEC, a two-time Conference Player of the Year and just a state champion at the high school level as well, visiting with Shane Matthews here. Who, By the way, if you haven't found the uh, the, the pod with Shane, uh, it's Matthews Morning on Twitter. Pod up with Matthews in the morning. You can catch it every Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern time on your favorite podcast platform. And again, online at pop up or pod up with Shane.com. Shane, let's talk a little bit about the, the Florida Gator team again. I, the best the best friend a quarterback can have is a good running game. Uh, you mentioned the return of a standout lineman, Osiris the Torrance, and, and running backs. That, that's going to be a big factor for this team in, in helping make Graham Mertz successful, is it not? Yeah, they you know they ran the ball really well last year with Montreal Johnson and, and Travis Etienne out of Louisiana. Had a tremendous freshman year, and you know Billy likes to run the football. Uh, but I think they're going to surprise some people throwing it this year. But, yeah, you know, people can say what they want to say. The SEC is still a line of scrimmage league. That's why Florida's been, been down the last couple of years, especially our front seven defensively has not been SEC caliber. I think Billy and them addressed it this year, especially for the 2024 class. Um, so I, I think for Florida to have the year that people want them to have, and like I said, I have them penciled in at a minimum of eight wins, is the front seven on defense has to play much better than it has the last couple of years. Shane, talk about, um, you know, I got a question back in the, as far as coaching, you know, you played for, you played for the ball coach. What, I mean, what, a, what an innovative guy when you played, obviously the passing game wasn't nearly as prevalent as, as it is now. You guys were at the forefront of, of kind of the wide open passing game and you brought, you guys brought the passing game to the SEC. I mean, the SEC was still a heavy option, run, run, run league. You, as a quarterback, how cool was it to play when you knew that you had such an advantage from a, from a schematic perspective, from a coaching perspective, and from a talent perspective, you and the guys you played with, knowing that, boy, these guys just can't cover our guys and the schemes and the, and the routes that we're coming up with are just routes that they're not going to be able to handle. 
Yeah, it was definitely fun. There's no question. Uh, you know, Steve Spurrier did change the uh, the dynamics of, of football in the SEC and maybe in the entire country in 1990. And it's what you see today. You know, people talk about, you know, people going five wide, this, that, and the other. I mean, we were doing that in 1990, and we'd get mismatches that people couldn't handle. Uh, obviously, the athletes are a little bit different today. But still, to this day, I feel like Steve Spurs, the best offensive mind I've ever been around and one of the best play callers to ever do it on the sidelines. And the funny thing is, real quick, the funny thing is, he never really had a headset. He was just calling. He was calling plays right off of a piece of paper. I mean, you you can probably attest to this. You never saw him with headsets and all that. He was just he's just pointing at you and, and giving you a signal and calling the play. Yeah, that's that's another thing that, that was amazing about him is he did all this from the sideline. You know, most people that call plays are up in the box and you get a good view of what's going on. But right. he says that his 10 years of, of being a backup in the National Football League kind of prepared him to be able to see and able to call plays from the sideline. And, uh, I mean, he was remarkable. And it wasn't on some type of elaborate playbook that we had. It was always three sheets of white typing paper stapled together. And we'd fold it up and put it in our back pocket, and that's that's how we started our plays. <laughs> Love that, um, Shane. I, going back to your roots a little bit, um, playing at Mississippi State, different sport, obviously, but there's a pride in athletes that are from the coast. And when you came out of high school, there was a lot of high level talent coming out, not only in football, in basketball, like Chris Jackson and Latario Green. Um, you know, but. During that era and that time, I'm just curious about the high school games because I do a lot of high school stuff in Alabama. And I'm talking about, like, when you went to these stadiums and, like, obviously stories of basketball. What was it like with all that high-level talent being on the coast at the same time when you were coming out of high school? You know, it, it's crazy. I still talk talk about it a lot uh, living here in Florida. I was like, baby, you have no idea my senior year, how good the talent on the Mississippi Gulf Coast was. And i got to give a shout-out. I, I grew up basically in Cleveland, Mississippi, up in the Delta, until yeah. uh, after my sophomore year, my dad got the job at Pascagoula, and then I was down there for two years. But, uh, yeah, as you stated, like my, my, my high school basketball team I played on, I was a six-man. All five starters signed Division One, and some of them played in the NBA, went to Kentucky, went to Georgia, went to LSU. Then you had Chris Jackson, who was tearing it up. You had... Melvin Booker, and you had Latero Green over at Moss Point. And not, not, that's just basketball. We're not even talking about the baseball and the football players. So that, from I would say from like 87 to 90, then you had Terrell Buckley, who was on my high school team, Kez McCorvey, they both went to Florida State. I mean, from like 87 yeah. to 90 down there on the Gulf Coast, at those, you know, whether it was Ocean Springs, Pascagoula, Moss Point, Gulfport, Biloxi, they had some dudes, man. And I, I haven't seen anything like it since then. Yeah, I mean Shane, going back to the, going back to Coach Napier and such, and just and just the the aura of getting back the swamp to what it was when you were there, and obviously some of the glory days with Urban and such. Talk about the 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 Florida get the Gainesville community when that when when your program is is humming when you guys are rocking. Talk about the excitement level of 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 what Gainesville is and compared to other places. You know, you hear. People talk about Baton Rouge at night and stuff, but Gainesville for a 3.30 game on CBS is pretty electric. It is, and as I stated, you know, being the colored commentator, I get to go to all these different venues now on the road and get to kind of take it all in, not as a player, but just as a a spectator. And 
there's nothing like SEC football, man. And the Swamp is a special, special place. There's no question. As you mentioned, Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night is awesome. You know, Auburn games are great. Brian Denny's awesome. You know, just that's what makes college football so special. The passionate fan bases, you know, people get to congregate on a Saturday afternoon and get liquored up three or four hours before no. a college football game and, and go watch your, your school Apple play. Apple juice. Apple and, juice. Uh, yeah, I can't wait till uh, you know, Florida. Billy Napier, I think, is on the right track, and Florida's going to get back to being the program it used to be. Hey, there's talk about you know renovations for, for Florida Field there, man, and, and where the Gators might go to play a season or so while those renovations are being made. You got a, you got a thought as to where you'd like to see Florida football when, when that happens? Well, they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to, they're going to, uh, it will be whatever the renovations take place, they will have it figured out where we still play there. Now, maybe there may be cranes and dump trucks and everything around the stadium when that happens, but no, we're, we cannot lose those uh, those games in the swamp, even when the renovations take place. It's uh, it's Jacksonville. It's the Jaguars who might have to move and play somewhere else. They, they might be coming to your place, possibly, huh? Well, yeah, Daytona too. I, Daytona five hundred. I mean, obviously, Speedway. we're closer than any other venues, but you know, it makes too much sense for them to go to Orlando, the Camping World Stadium, because the only thing that's held there are like three bowl games. Uh, plus, you know, we have natural grass, and to have. You know, that much football being played on natural grass could be a problem. But, you know, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, we're not going to be moving. Uh, but the Jaguars, <laughs> I think, are. Final couple of minutes here with Shane Matthews, if we can. I just want to ask about maybe how the game has changed. Shane, you spent 14 years in the National Football League. I'm wondering if you ever had an offensive line that was 6'6", 311, 6'8", 362, 6'8", that's just that's just half of what Billy Napier has in his offensive lineman room. No, it's it's crazy. Kids are getting bigger and stronger and faster uh, daily. You know, I, I don't know if I even had a receiver in college. You know, over six foot. Now you see receivers that are six or six five. Um, it's just it's, it's a crazy game now. It's, it still comes down to blocking and tackling, quite honestly. But the game has changed just by getting fast dudes in space and can your guys tackle our guys. And uh, if you can do that, you're gonna win some games. If you can't make any tackles, you're probably gonna have a bunch of losses. We have a lot of we have a lot of listeners in the in the state of Alabama. How many times how many times a week do you still hear about Antonio Langham in the out route? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I'm good friends with those guys. Uh, that was a hell of a team Alabama had, and you know, I I, I still tell people that uh, we had them on the road. We weren't very good that year. And we had that stadium very, very quiet. And yep. I'm more, I'm still kind of pissed off I'm not getting royalties from the SEC championship, <laughs> Damn the right. Big 12 championship, right the ACC championship. Because if we would have won that game, yeah. there would have there would have been no more championship games ever. So I feel like I should be owed something, <laughs> especially the Alabama point, faithful. And uh, I could send my address if they want to send some stuff. That's cool. <laughs> well, hey, you were talking Alabama football on your podcast earlier today, were you not? I talk about Alabama. One of my co-hosts, he comes on three days a week. He's an Alabama grad. He was the uh, local TV guy when I was playing here in town. So, yeah, we, we, we talk every sport, every, every school. Uh, it's not just basically Florida. We talk a little bit of everything. Well, cool stuff. Again, find it wherever you find your favorite podcast and on YouTube as well. Pod up with Shane.com. Follow him on Twitter's at Matthews Morning as well. And you had a question about his about his other Twitter handle, Bart Heitch. Do you want to ask yes, about that? I, I did. That was my closer, man. Look, Shane, SM Niner? 
I would answer the phone SM. I mean, that is like so thought out. How did the Twitter handle come about? Is that all you? Or did you have help with that? Well, I mean, most of my stuff, people, I mean, people call me Niner because that was my number. Right. Um, and then it's just my two initials because I, I am so not into technology. And when Twitter first started, somebody showed me how to set up a Twitter handle. So I did Shane Matthews 9 was my handle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't do anything with it for years. And then when I started getting into having radio shows and doing the broadcast, people were like, you got to set up a, a Twitter. I said, I got one. <laughs> well, we couldn't figure out how to log in to get it set up again. So I had to come up with another one. So SM9 or it is. I dare say you're, oh, not, you're I, yeah, I dare say you're not the only one who has run into that problem. Uh, yours truly, I think, did the same kind of thing a while back. Shane, always fantastic to visit with you, man. Thanks so much. We'll point folks to your podcast again for some great content regarding Southeastern Conference and college football in general. And uh, just love having you with us, man. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks so much for being with us today. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all take care. You bet. Shane Matthews again, the two-time SEC Player of the Year and the former Florida Gator with us here inside the press box as we wrap up a Wednesday. Man, that was fun. Sharp guy, knows his stuff, and was one hell of a player during his time, fellas. Man. He was. He was kind of the quintessential Spurrier quarterback. Not the not the most athletic guy, not the biggest arm, but, boy, he would carve him up with those little, those corner routes and those seam routes and – and uh, people under, people underestimate how good of a running game Florida had back in those days. Even though that we always thought throw, throw, throw. Eric Rett and those yeah, kind of guys. Yeah, Eric Rett was they a, had a great running yeah. game. Fred Taylor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those guys. No, my dad and I at my grandparents' house, uh, like literally, we had this little game. He would throw the ball over the house, and I would go, and he couldn't tell whether I caught it or not. Right. So it was yeah. all based on how quickly I threw it back over the house. But we used to run deep post Shane Matthews routes, man, and like it was during halftime because he threw his pr- uh, who threw a prettier fade, Shane Matthews or Werfel, or would right. you even care who was throwing it? Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, just perfection and, and, of the fate. And I know there there are a number of guys on this list over the years because he coached a long time. But to be a quarterback for Steve Spurrier, yeah, you had to but, have some you had to have some thick skin and some some self confidence, man. You know what I'm but, saying? Okay, Shane so, wasn't the starter from the get go. Yeah, exactly. he didn't start till about his what junior and, year. Yeah, and you should hear. Um, I have a connection like through some friends with Doug Johnson. That yes. played later on and battled yep. with Jesse Palmer the whole yep. time, yep. and then went in the league a few years. You should hear him talk about the stories of just Spurrier and how he could. But like, if you look down the quarterback list of Florida, it starts with Shane Matthews. Oh yeah, Kerwin, yeah. Kerwin Bell was that guy, that one guy in the '80s that made Florida relevant. He was player, yeah. I think, player of the year, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at that list of quarterbacks. It started with Shane Matthews, yep. and that's when the legacy went to Spurrier, and you had the Hosmas and National Championships. Well, the, so, and, and how he revolutionized the passing game in the conference. It really how did. he transitioned yeah. Yeah. that conference to from what it was to what it is. But isn't it amazing? And you look at all these big games. You can go back to the old uh, the Auburn Alabama games, Florida Tennessee games, um, all the big rivalry games when teams have been good. Yeah, yeah. Florida always ran the football. Yeah. And always figured out a way to win yeah. that running battle while they were putting up the front and gun. Just makes me think, I wonder what Coach Spurrier would say if he was here right now. You know, it's just time to move on. Oh, you know, he's right. It is. It's time okay, to move coach. on, man. We're, we're out of time. Sorry about that. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, thanks again to Shane Matthews, Austin Mock of The Athletic, to my pals Bart and Jason. Uh, tomorrow, Brad Nessler, Shannon Terry, and uh, again, hopefully you on great stations around the Southeast. Until then, thank you, Bart. Thank you, Jason. See you soon. Thanks, guys. Later, boys. See you.